1: Hello out there, and welcome to Jurassic Pod. My name is Eric Corrine. Joining me, as always, my colleague, my friend, my pal, Holly Mackenzie. Holly, how you doing?
2: Hi. Doing uh, doing a little better than last week. You?
1: Uh, it's been a week. It's, uh, <laughs> we we have a, we hopefully we don't get in too recappy of a mode, but uh, there is terrain to cover. Uh so listen, Raptors fans will be
2: just fine with you recapping, briefly recapping the events of the past week.
1: Yeah, so last time we spoke to you, it was uh oh two. Raptors <laughs> had gotten blown out in Philadelphia twice, one uh lost by 20 and then by 15. Gosh. Uh and it got worse. Uh <laughs> their performance got better, uh, but they lost game three in overtime, 104 to 101. Uh you know, missed free throws, missed jumpers, missed assignments on a Joel Embiid oh. game winner. Uh, we could and what a winning game-winning
2: no... shot it was.
1: Yeah, like, no matter how much the Raptors screwed that up, it was still uh, very, very cool and impressive to see a seven-foot dude spin and fire a three, and that guy, by the way, has torn ligaments in his shooting thumb. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, pretty impressive feat of basketballing uh that that shot uh even if the raptors screwed it up which they did in a few ways maybe we'll get into it maybe we won't it, it happened a while ago now so uh it only makes sense, sense to belabor it so much uh <laughs> with their backs against the proverbial wall they uh played for pride holly uh and and won 110 to 102 forcing the series back to philadelphia when the Sixers were going to obviously close it out and, you know, in front of a raucous home fa- home crowd, and they did not. The Raptors, with their best game of the series by quite a distance, uh, win by 15, hold the Sixers to 88 points, and bead Harden, and Maxi all probably with their worst games of the series uh, in that one. Uh, certainly... Certainly, Maxi was mm-hmm. the least dangerous in that one, as they appeared to uh be sort of daring him to drive and not giving up the threes. And, and he's very fast and he can make you pay with that. But the Raptors defense is sort of on a different level. And I think that's probably where we have to start compared, like just big picture compared to what we were talking about last time. The headliner has to be the defense, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Also, we should quickly mention, uh, without getting super deep into the injuries, that the Raptors were essentially without Fred VanVleet for the last two games, the two wins. Uh, Fred left
1: uh, the second quarter
2: of Game game 4 with a hip injury, walked off the court, ripped his jersey. He knew something was not good, not well in that moment. Uh, It was a hip injury. He didn't return. He did not play uh, in Game Five in Philadelphia, and he is listed as doubtful for yeah
1: for Game Six on yeah. Thursday. And like when he spoke to us on on Monday morning before Game Five, he without ruling himself out, he basically ruled himself out for the series. He, he you know his co- his comment was basically, "If we can get into the second round, I'd feel really good about my." ability to come back in that series so and and on the surface
2: uh, you would be really worried about that like you if you said oh the Raptors will be without Fred Van Bleet, they're all-star uh disaster but when you look at the version of fred that we've seen in this series specifically defensively since we're talking about defense and that's i'm 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 looping us back to
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i I see where you're going i see the path yeah
2: (laughs) you see the vision
1: yeah
2: (laughs) uh it hasn't been all bad for the raptors in fact (laughs) uh they've really found something defensively and yeah uh precious achua
1: Yeah, and let's not get it twisted. Like, the Raptors are better with Fred Van Vliet. Yes, of course. The thing you can argue (laughs) is the Raptors are better against this team without an injured Fred Van Vliet. Like, the the version that was trying to play through his myriad injuries, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which we know include a knee injury, which we know now includes a hip injury, uh, and we don't know what else there is but you know he was not not that this is the world's greatest crime but he couldn't stay in front of Tyrese Maxey yeah pretty uh, much the uh, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the
2: most difficult assignment fastest yeah, player probably in the league i yeah, would say yeah it's like
1: one you know <laughs> If you're going to pick guys like maybe Ja Morant as a worst, a worst assignment. And then it's like Maxi, He's right there in terms of, you know, certainly in terms of guys who aren't primary on the mm-hmm. ball, like dominating guys, you know, trying to stay with them as he catches and drives. My God. I, I And you're rotating back to him. Cause you know, you're playing at a, team defense that <laughs> requires helping a, a lot against Joel Embiid in particular but also against Harden at times and so you're rotating back and and you're trying to you know go from moving to stationary in mm-hmm. front of your man and your man happens to be the fastest kid alive <laughs> to to quote officer Michaels from super bad like <laughs> it, it, it's
2: I, it's uh, tough i have to tell you i read your piece and yeah you quoted that and i had no idea what that was so now i know well that's why
1: i included the link i didn't uh, click the you, link
2: you, i don't have time uh, to click links i just i'm here hmm. for the for the words not the not the jokes
1: yeah um holly well,
2: mckenzie not about fun
1: yeah no <laughs> i i know that's i have to bring the fun to this podcast <laughs> um but you know so let's in game 3 the sixers score 104 in overtime Game four, they score 102. Game three down, game five down to 88. I don't have the points per possession in front of me, but you know, that's sort of the way it seemed is that this defense is getting progressively better. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Embiid's thumb issue has a lot to do with that. We've, we've certainly seen him turn the ball over and, and look, you know, Unless he's getting a deep post paint post touch, he, he looks a lot less effective operating from, you know, the elbow or even the three point line. It's been less dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this defense is collapsing and recovering and collapsing and recovering. Uh, and sometimes if it's precious, a on, you know, on. Embiid on the perimeter, or if it's OG Ananobi, my God, on James Harden (laughs) on the perimeter. Like, there doesn't have to be collapsing because those guys just aren't getting beat.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool to see, like, we've talked all season about Precious and the improvements he's made, but to get to see it all kind of come together right now in the playoffs against a team where his defense is so needed. And then you mentioned OG bringing OG up too. I think when the Raptors first you know, the trade happened and Precious came here. Everyone knew he was really young and he was still a raw player with a lot of talent and tons of upside, blah, 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 blah. He's still crazy young, uh, but... You see, like you mentioned OG, and he's not getting beat. Neither is Precious. You kind of see that vision of like, oh, this is this is the the vision that the team that the the front office was having when they when they were putting this team together. Yeah,
1: like it's great if if you can switch everything, but what if like you just don't get beat? Yeah, Um, and the, <clears throat> to focus on Precious Achua, because I think when you think about Game Five. It's also just really
2: cool to have a player that can guard Joel Embiid and James Harden.
1: Yeah, that's neat. Like, Uh,
2: (laughs) it's a a bonus.
1: (laughs) Um, But what I really liked about Game 5 from Precious Achua, and I think, like, after Siakam, he's probably the first guy I'll think about when I think about that game, uh, is... Ken Birch did like a really good job to start on Embiid specifically. Like the the physicality, you could see why he was starting on him. Mm -hmm. He picked up his fouls, but like Embiid wasn't getting those, you know, deep paint touches. And Achua came in and replaced him. And those paint touches in the first quarter came for a bit. And as the game went on... They just didn't. And whether that's like him doing his his fighting in the post or, or for positioning earlier, whether it's Embiid tiring, which he certainly looked to on the defensive end, certainly uh, in the third quarter that, you know, I, I think you talked to pretty much anybody. And that was the worst stretch of Joel Embiid's defense uh, in the third quarter that we that I've seen in the last three to four to five years. And I'm sure that people who pay more attention to Sixers, uh, would probably say something similar. Uh, but back to Achua, like he adjusted and kept the energy level up and kept, you know, using his advantages against Embiid, which are speed and agility, uh, and just an ability to at least, like, when he does get it into the rim, like, at least contest vertically. Mm-hmm. He's using all those things. And that's not to say he's doing it himself. He's, uh, he's certainly not. And, and Embiid, when he shoots, <coughs> he's still scoring, uh, pretty damn efficiently. But those opportunities, uh, I think he only got to the free throw once in the four, in the second half. Of game uh, of game five, which is huge, like that. And we had that was, six
2: free throws total.
1: Yeah, and that, as Nick Nurse said after, like the Raptors won the free throw battle in game four. They lost, I think, twenty to thirteen in game five. Mm-hmm. But in general, those are like numbers that not. I mean, even the game five number, like that's sort of what you expect based you on these teams' that. profiles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you that I think that was Nick Nurse's actual quote. You oh, can really? work with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I'm I not positive, but it was certainly along the lines of that. And that's a credit to the whole team, uh, but also Precious Achua. So, like, what's is there one play, one moment, something that will that stands out about Precious's play over the last few I games? Don't, that, I don't that know you'll... if there's a
2: moment, but it's kind of similar to what you said. It just feels like over the course of the game, his constant presence and constant contesting and constant challenging, like, like, he's making everything difficult. And as the game goes on, I mean, I think regardless of what happened this series, Joel Embiid's going to get tired. Most players get tired as the series goes on, you know? But then yeah. he also has this injury. He's having to play huge minutes. They could barely rest him in the second half. In, in Yeah, the he,
1: got, he got two minutes off. Uh, yeah. and that stint is usually closer to four or five. Uh,
2: yeah, so off. they're having to keep him out there longer. And just the fact that they're making... I say they, and I do mean they as the team, but specifically Precious is making him work so hard and making everything so difficult for him. I think it does tire tire him out and it is making it more difficult and not that it's going to deter him away from wanting the ball or taking shots or, you know, like he's still going to be Joel Embiid, but I think that you're really seeing um, just his efficiency going down. Not a, like you said, he's still very efficient. Yes, but it's making him tired, and you're really, you're really seeing that on the defensive end. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that stretch where OGN and Obi dunks on um, uh, not on him. That's a bit strong, but goes by him and dunks. Uh, Precious had two layups, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I think Siakam got a layup, and somebody else drew a foul. Like that, you don't see that. Like Joel and B. Like mm-hmm. is one of the best defenders in the NBA and one of the most impactful defenders in the NBA, and um,
2: he's also you know, the leading scorer, and he finished. With and 20 he's points also the
1: leading, yeah, he's the like, leading he scorer in the NBA, with,
2: and he finished twenty points in in Game Five. Like you can really see the toll. I feel like um, that attention is taking on him.
1: Yeah, and so let's like zoom out. Like, Precious Achua is part of the reason. For the season, you know, like for the Raptors, like part of the reason is to get this guy who you think you hope Mm -hmm. is going to be part of your future is to make sure he's contributing. And And just stop
2: and think about the beginning of the season.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially
2: offensively, like think about where he was. And now Mm -hmm. like to look at the player he's becoming and the player he has been in this series. It's kind of wild. Like it's actually kind of wild. Maybe he's you making get one people, of those. He's uh, making a guys game. have to come out and guard him. He's making guys have to not let him be open at the three point line. <laughs> like, he's it's wild. I wouldn't have believed it if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah. And maybe, like, there's one of those mistakes a game, you know, the, the free throws are the free throws at the end of game three. And, uh, you know, it happens. It sucks, mm-hmm. but it happens. Uh, but, like, the mistake. Like, not only is he playing well and playing impactfully, but just the mistake percentage is going down. It's, you know, that's not a stat other than turnovers. But, like, he is maybe still a bit of an adventure off the ball on both ends. But, you know, on the ball, on both ends, he is a lot, lot better. It's a good adventure. Yeah. uh, More often (laughs) than not. Yeah. Um,
2: And like you said, like, so much of this season has been about getting reps and opportunities and moments and experience for players like Scotty and like Precious. And this is huge for him. And it's really cool to just get to see him taking so much advantage and kind of in a way just like proving what like what the front office was excited about in him. Yeah, in in Lifetime.
1: Good. Let's maybe not judge trades uh, the minute they happen or don't happen. as was the case <laughs> with uh, and and I the sort Kyle of just Ari mentioned
2: trip. I sort of just mentioned him but uh if you heard that beep i'm sorry that's my mom texting me just asking if the raptors play tonight no mom they do not <laughs> <laughs> she's asked me this every day <laughs> since uh, since game 5 You should uh, just
1: uh, share a google calendar oh, and, and get she has her... the
2: link to the schedule but she just like it's her you know i think it's yeah. just like anyway no mom they play tomorrow they play on thursday Yes, yes. Which is tomorrow. <laughs> Today is Wednesday. Uh Scotty, sorry, I lost my train of thought. We mentioned yep. this season, the reason for this season being getting precious in Scotty time and seeing what they could do. Uh since we last spoke to you, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, he's back. Big Roy, big Roy energy, baby. <laughs> I added the uh, energy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've needed him, like especially with Van Vliet leaving. Like, yeah,
2: like, he got to win the rookie of the year award, get get uh, presented the award, and also return to the floor, which is crucial. Yeah. I mean, I know he was. I wasn't at the game in Philadelphia. You were on the broadcast. It definitely did look like he was limping quite a bit at the end of the first half, and then a bit in the yeah. second. That's when I because
1: that was right in front of me at the end of the first half when yeah. he was limping, and it it. It was the first time I noticed it. And uh, for what it's worth, Nick Nurse said he thought he came through practice on Wednesday pretty well. Uh, and obviously, Scotty wasn't going to say, he's like, yeah, I feel some pain sometimes, but it's fine. Um, what else was he going to say? Right. Uh, but, you know, let's just talk about the basketball for a minute before we get into, you know, the the deep, deep specifics. With Van Vliet leaving, like, they need another guy to set things mm-hmm. up, and especially if they want to stay big defensively, they need this guy setting things up. And I thought, uh, I mean, I think he's clearly lacking some of the offensive burst uh, in terms of create, like, he had, a, he had a few plays in Game 5, I, I would say, but, like... His assists
2: in Game 5?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get there, we'll <laughs> okay, get there. Okay, um,
2: okay.
1: <laughs> so, like, in terms of, like, What's different about this guy from his peak performance? I would say that's it. Like, there's mm-hmm. just less burst to offensively to get to the rim himself. But, you know, just the, the ball handling and the passing with the load that Pascal Siakam is carrying. And don't worry, we'll get to Siakam, who's been awesome. But like, that is just such a huge thing for like a half court offense that's actually, Functioning half decently, better than in the, I'm sure, I haven't looked at, I haven't compared the numbers, but I'm sure their points per possession in the half court in this series are better than it was over the playoffs. So that's, that's pretty good.
2: Over the playoffs?
1: I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, we don't need to fact check that right now. Um, but, but yeah, like Scotty, yeah, on the glass and creating, uh, it's been much, much needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, yeah, you want to you wanna talk about those back-to-back assists? Uh, yeah.
2: Uh, and transition? Fourth, fourth quarter, uh, the Philly crowd all night had been like in and then extremely out of the game. Like it was very much like they're cheering, they're loud, they're out of the game, they're booing, they're back, they're cheering, they're out of the game, then they're booing, then they're booing, then they're, booing, then they're not really there, they're pretty quiet. You know, like it was very, it felt very drastic swinging from TV. I don't know if it was like that in person.
1: Uh so I had I had earphones in because the uh earphones I had earplugs <laughs> in because if possible like the game operations was louder there than oh, wow. at Scotia Bank arena uh so like the cheering never seemed that loud to me okay. but that could have been the earphones like the booing seemed constant or not constant but like
2: it definitely like seemed prevalent. more noticeable yeah. than the cheering I feel like like more Intense, but yeah. Just but the, felt-
1: the thing I want to, sorry, I want to get to what you wanted wanted to talk about with Scotty's assist because when he threw that first assist, which I believe was to Thad Young, uh, it was right after the Sixers had cut it to seven or eight in the fourth quarter, and like Tyrese Maxey was like asking for noise at that point. Like, I don't think the fans obliged him to like the level you would hope f- to for as like a home player, like. You know, I always go back to nineteen ninety two and the, and the World Series and Dave Winfield wanted noise from the the notably you know sort of staid Toronto fans. Uh, but you know, we've we've heard that you know Raptors crowds get really really loud at points. And again, I was wearing earplugs. I can't say for certain, but that was like. When Scotty Barnes came up with those two assists, the first to Thad Young, the second a look. I'm not going to call it a no look, but I will. It I was will call his. No Scotty's patented no look. It,
2: it, it was a look away. Like, Ali yeah.
1: passed to uh, Precious Achua. Like those, that was that sequence was you know maybe just, second maybe second like- yeah. Maybe second behind Siakam's pass to OG Ananobi with like three minutes left uh, for the re- mm-hmm. for the three pointer. Like those were in my mind the two big moments of the game of like, is this team are the Sixers going to make a real run or not? And like those two, that I guess those three baskets were the clearest answers that no, they're not going to make the Scotty
2: back to back and just the way that he did it it was so like signature scotty it just felt like it sucked everything out of that arena not that though not that it was like crazy crazy before but it was just like the final like the chair was pulled the rug was pulled whatever you whatever the saying is like you know it was just like okay and then the and then the um og play was like yeah we're done here like See, yeah. you know, I don't know where you're going. I'm going back to Toronto kind of thick kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, uh just classic Scotty and the, the no look look away.
1: Whatever you want to call it. It,
2: yeah. it works. But it shouldn't because you know exactly like everyone knows exactly what he's doing and yet Oh well, I'm not
1: sure, I'm not sure the looking away had anything to do with completing that. pass. Well, I, true, I don't think, but it's just I don't think so it caused, it, like, the Sixers Defender any hesitation, but, you know, like, an alley-oop to Precious Achua is gonna work on a two-on-one or whatever. This it's, just the, the is yeah, like, no, it's just the extra thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's the panache. It's the showmanship. It's like, it, you know, that, that stuff matters. Like, like, it's, a, it's, it, it, you know, you love to see it. I guess is is my way of summing that up.
2: No, it was awesome. Uh, I did know one thing that kind of surprised me about uh, Game 5. Yes, I I keep forgetting which game we're on. Uh, Just, I, I don't know this doesn't really fit with what we were talking about, but it did surprise me that um, the Raptors only had three offensive rebounds in that game. And I know they shot like 51% from the floor. Um, but I, that was something that I was kind of wondering, like with Scotty, like, cause you mentioned like his burst being gone offensively and things like that. I do kind of see, think we're noticing that um, on the offensive glass, just like the little plays that he normally would be there for being quicker than anyone. And, and, you know, being there. Um, yeah. I don't think he has that, but it doesn't even, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but like the amount of good that he has been, he has brought since returning has, it's been huge, especially as you mentioned with uh, Fred being out. And then I know we mentioned Scotty, I really quickly just wanted to mention that Gary Trent also is back, has been great um, and looks like himself again. And he said after game three, um, which obviously the Raptors ended up losing, but he said he felt 100%. said he lost eight pounds in the week of being sick. Yeah, not not good. Uh, he felt terrible, lost eight pounds, was weak, tired, all of those things. So like, if you were watching game one and were like, what is going on? That's what was going on. But to hear him say he felt 100% and how badly he wished that he felt this way in game one. Again, woulda, coulda, shoulda. doesn't make sense to go back in time. But it is interesting just to think, like, where would we be right now had Gary... And Scotty played the first two games. Had Thad not gone out with a with a thumb injury, I know the Sixers could say the same thing with Joel and his thumb injury. But it's just For something sure. to think about. The Raptors look like a completely different team with Gary and Scotty. Yeah,
1: and uh, the int- the I, I'd say if we're looking at matchups, the interesting thing about Game Five is. You know, it was sort of the first time fully healthy Gary was, mm-hmm. might have to contend with, with Matisse Theibel. And for one, Theibel spent more of his time on Ananobi or, and Siakam. And two, uh, that leash is short, uh, mm, yeah. because that was almost too, that was like self parody of what people say about Matisse Theibel, like a zero on offense and like, but him, you know, and I know His like, only the,
2: basket was, was basket tipped in that by Precious Precious Achua. Yeah, tipped yeah. In, yeah,
1: but like defensively, he was really impressive and like his him on the outside of his zone, like denying entry passes, mm-hmm. uh, great. But if he's you know, I, I would assume if there's a game seven, he'll get at least a short look to see if he has a few shots in him, but that, you know, he's not going to play much i would I would guess in game seven. so that's. Not as much of a factor as we thought it might be. It's also just a weird situation. Like
2: for him to only be playing certain games, it's like you wonder how that affects it. But whatever, that's another. Yeah.
1: You can can eliminate some of the variables if you choose. (laughs) And if you choose not to, uh, well, I feel feel less inclined to uh, discuss them. Thank Uh, Precious
2: for the bucket. And anyway, I did. Again, we mentioned Pascal playing well. I think one of the biggest things, well, two of the biggest things for me, I guess. Uh, after game three, when he was scoreless in the second half, correct? I have uh, he
1: certainly he certainly went 0 for 5. Uh, whether scoreless on the floor in the yeah. yeah, yeah. In I don't second. remember if he had a free throw or two, but he went 0 for 5 in the second half and overtime.
2: Second half and overtime of game three. That was game three, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I saw you taking the drink and was like, he's not going to be able to correct me, so I'm just going to try to extend this. But that was game three. After that, he sounded really surprised after the game. And I think the next day at practice, when someone asked him about it, like, I don't like, he sounded like he was unaware that, you know, he didn't have a lot of shots. no, I agree. He hadn't made any. And... He responded in a huge way in their next two games. He's been awesome all around. Uh, in their game four, he had 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists, a steal, and two blocks. Um, In the game five, he had 23, 10, and seven. But I think one of the things, like, obviously that's so important for the Raptors, but one of the other things that has just been really impressive to me is with Fred out, he has even more responsibility Um offensively and taking care of the ball and setting people up and you know, his minutes also, he had played 44 minutes in both of those games. I don't see the, that coming down at all. <laughs> I think <laughs> they're said, probably going to so. go up in, yeah. the, in whatever's to come. Uh, but it's just a heavy, an even heavier load than what he was carrying before, which was already a pretty heavy load. Um, and he has been awesome.
1: Yeah. Game four was amazing. Like I don't have much to say about it. He, like everything was working. Game five mm. to me Excuse me, it was almost more impressive because he didn't have it going at the beginning. He was not finding mm-hmm. like the soft spots in the in the defense. He, you know, they weren't able to create as much spacing out because, you know, Van Vliet was out there to start game four and and whatever you want to say about him, like he does give you more spacing on the floor and, and it allows you know, you to get going a bit more and find your comfort of the game. Game five, that there was, there wasn't that luxury. In fact, Kem Birch started, uh, along with Scotty Barnes and, and moving from Van Vliet and, and Birch to Birch and Barnes. Like that's a huge downgrade in, in spacing. And he didn't get started great. And he was just so patient with the game. Mm-hmm. But the difference between patience and passiveness, it, it's like, It's, it's something I don't want to oversimplify, but like, that's where you see the experience of Siakam and not rushing it Mm -hmm. and not forcing it, but also not deferring. Um, and 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 almost
2: especially in the wake of that happening in game three and him seeming really surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. It's like and
1: part of it, like, is maybe like Fred going to a certain degree. Fred going out is like, okay, there's no options now. Like, it's it's I need the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, eighty percent of the stuff is going is going to go through me. Like, like OG will have his occasional possession. We'll run our occasional you know series of pin downs for Gary Trent, but you know, for the most part everything is working to get Pascal the ball in an advantageous position and he can't afford to do that. But like he had seven assists in game five. The Raptor, you mentioned that the Raptor shot 51% in that game from the field. They shot a little for a lot from three. Um, And, you know, when I, when you mentioned the offensive rebounds thing, it's like, you know what, like for a team that shot 51%, there were some offensive rebounds to grab in that game. And they really didn't, Mm -hmm. but that's because, you know, OG Ananobi shoots two for nine and a few of those are wide open. And, you know, without deep diving the, the video for everyone, like that could have been a playoff triple double pretty damn easily for, for Pascal Siakam. And he, uh the most Im- impressive stat for me in from game 5 is Turnovers. uh Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes combined to play 41 minutes in the in the second half and they turned the ball over zero times. Yeah. And, I figured that
2: was where you were going to go cuz it's crazy. That,
1: that is like the Raptors are a low turnover team but against like a pretty good defense mm-hmm. with a you know one of a, certainly a great defender to turn the ball over zero times like there is something to be said about just limiting your mistakes mm-hmm. uh like like that's not what the raptors want to rely on i don't think like they want to get more out in the open but in the absence of totally being able to control that they really made the right decision so often whether or not it resulted in an open three or not. And like, I don't want to say like the Raptors could have blown him out because the Sixers also missed a ton of threes. Like that, that mm-hmm. sort of canceled each other out. <laughs> but uh, what a, you know, long story long, Pascal Siakam. <laughs> uh That was some of the most mature decision-making and game management that I've seen from him Uh since I've started watching. He it. just
2: seemed to get better as the game went on. Like it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but he just kept finding his way through um, and making the right decisions. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really impressive. And especially like with Fred going out, um, just, you know, not with an injury that like us on the outside, when he went out, I think we first assumed it was probably his knee, but just, you know, this hip injury just pops up. He's out snap your fingers, suddenly it's all on you, Pascal, in a way, you know? And uh, he has taken it in stride. And I just think that's really impressive.
1: Yeah. And, like, I was pretty critical of Fred and Pascal after game three. And and it wasn't, like, personal. It was like, look at their numbers in the series. They're not good enough. And when you add Pascal's, you know his bubble and his year in the past, it's fair to have doubts about this guy. I don't think that's hating on him. It's just like, look, this guy's recent track playoff track record is not great. And he's in a new position than he was in 2019. And it's fair to wonder about that. But, you know, you don't want to, at some point enough is enough, but like you don't want to close the book on somebody as talented As he is. And, you know, whatever happens the rest of the way in the series, uh, what Pascal Siakam has done in the last two games Mm -hmm. uh, should serve as a reminder whenever we have this conversation again. And I'm sure we'll have it again um, because that's just the way things work. But this guy is capable of truly, you know, excellent playoff performances in not only the number one role, but in the number one without, a, you know, playoff tested number two, which mm-hmm. is damn impressive. Before we get too far away from game five, uh, you asked about the fans. And I, I was just Chris Boucher had a very entertaining scrum today. And uh, Kayla Gray of TSN asked. Uh, you know, she saw that he was talking to the fans a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And Chris Boucher. Uh, so what what did Chris say? And And Chris said, I was just asking where they were going. Uh, um, at the <laughs> end of the game uh, when, when the fans were When leaving. they left. That was the oh. implication uh, that he said, I feel like a lot of their fans, when we were going to the bench, they were talking reckless, to be honest with you. If they would have won that game, I bet they would have said a lot of stuff. Fortunately, we did. Me and Precious had a good time talking back to them. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and you saw, I think you saw Precious uh, sort of asking for the crowd to be uh, uh, loud on on Thursday for Game Six and I I don't want to like this isn't a again not a Sixers podcast uh I understand the Sixers recent track record uh and I don't want to like tell fans how to behave unless there's some truly vile crap going on and I didn't I didn't see or hear any of that but like if I'm a 76er and Especially because we have that history, uh, or when I say we, I mean MB, Doc Rivers, James Harden separately, <laughs> almost, yeah. um, have that history. And you go up three nothing in the series and it's the first half and you're down like 12. Do I need to hear those boos? Like, it's a bit early for my tasting. Like, I'm not even, I know you're, you know, very against booing the home team, like uh, I'm, i I, am. I I know I have like I don't recommend it, but like I'm also not like opposed to it on some moral or or fundamental level but you really want to start when you're it's you're up 3-1 in a best of 7 and it's the first half like that I would seemed a bit that seemed a bit damn that seemed a bit damaged to me like that I would
2: probably agree with you except it's Philadelphia and this is what happens in Philadelphia
1: No I I get it <laughs> but like maybe like again I don't want to tell fans how to behave but like maybe examine what you're doing and like try to <laughs> You know, you're asking these players to grow, and you're asking these oh, coaches wow. to grow. Well, like maybe you know the the very you know the infinitesimal percentage of the of the of what you control, and like obviously, Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and James Harden have way more to do with the outcome of Game Five and Game Six and Game Seven than any of the fans do, but you know. You can try to rally them like the Warriors fans often do when their team is down 12 or 14 rather than, you know, booing when James Harden misses a three. I don't know. That's just me.
2: That's just you. I'm leaving you here on your island.
1: What? Are you worried for my safety in Philly if there's a game (laughs) seven?
2: No, I'm just focused on the Raptors and their fans. That's where I am.
1: Yeah, and, like, I, I just thought that, like... I thought that stunk a little bit, Um, but I'm sure Raptors fans had a good time hearing it.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to Michelob slash courtside to learn more.
2: Um, We mentioned Chris. I just really quickly wanted to say, I don't know, like if you were able to notice this in person, but the last two games, uh, there have been close-ups on Chris and I, the only word I can use to just, or the only term I can use to describe him is locked in (laughs) like his face His body demeanor, his body language. Like, I can't even tell you how much Chris Boucher wants this series so badly. Like, he's stepping in, he's getting charges, he's doing, you know, whatever he can, but just like his entire demeanor is so locked in (laughs) that it's just awesome to see.
1: The really, like, a very basic thing about Game Five is everybody who played a meaningful minute played like at average or above average level for them uh Mm -hmm. like even if you take like sure og could have hit a few more shots but his defense was awesome uh they really wanted it you go
2: you go to take it
1: yeah you go down the line and there's like kem birch like it's hard to find him minutes in this series but like those minutes especially in the first half but i thought even in the second half were like Good to very good for Kem Birch playing Joel Embiid, and there wasn't a hole to find in the rotation. And you know, how do you win a series against a team that's more top-heavy than you? Or how do you win a game? Forget a series. Uh that's how. Uh mm-hmm. you, you just have every guy step in, you know, the cliche is be a star in your role. And not that every guy was a star in his role, but they were at least good in their roles. And uh, speaking of that, before we, I, I think we'll get away from individuals. After that, Thad Young has been <laughs> just s- sensational. You know, after Thad Pouchet, sh- he's just been he's just been really good. Like being asked to guard Embiid quite a bit. Um, they're h- hunting mismatches with Harden on on Thad. And not like he's defended every one of those super well, but like neither Embiid nor Harden is a good matchup defensively for Thad Young. <laughs> Thad Young is a good defender, mm-hmm. but like he's more more in like helping than in a, either guarding the best post player on the planet or like guarding one of the premier passers in the planet. And he has like made them work enough. Mm-hmm. And on the other end is just like uh, I asked Chris Boucher this, but I'll, I'll just in, invoke it here or evoke it. Still haven't determined where we're coming off on that. Um, just some Mark Gasol shit in the half court with like, you know, the bounce passes, uh, especially within the zone as he like flashes to the middle and and really turned the, the Sixers zone into something pretty ineffective over mm-hmm. the last few games.
2: Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, I don't think that any of either of us would have expected uh, the immediate chemistry that he seemed to have with Chris Boucher. Uh, But all around, he has just been—he's just been giving something every time he's on the floor. And I feel like that sort of goes to your earlier point. It just feels like the Raptors are not making, like you mentioned, not making anything easy for the Sixers with his defense on Harden and Embiid. I think that's the—that's been the difference in these past two games is just the Raptors are being aggressive from the start and not aggressive in the going to pick up a bunch of early fouls, but they're making the Sixers feel them and, and making, and and making their presence felt like they really are just, going harder at everything. And I I was I was not shocked um in game four because obviously you're down three oh you kinda like that's you're either gonna come out like that or the series is gonna be over. But I have to say I was surprised with the amount of fight the Raptors had in game five. Not I wasn't surprised with the amount of fight the Raptors had. I was surprised with the lack of punch back that the that the Sixers oh, had in game Holly, five like
1: b- beautiful. We don't even have it on the rundown and this is what I wanna ask about because you know the vibes yeah based on the fans but based on you know all that history we alluded to are not immaculate in Philadelphia right now there's a <laughs> okay. there's a clip going around of Doc Rivers defending his playoff record and how he wants the whole story told uh Joel Embiid this at one at both times like i think too much was made of this and not enough when he was he was saying that James Harden needs to be more aggressive, but that's up to coach. Like, for one, like, I don't think he's really wrong, especially given Embiid's injury, but like, you just don't need to say it. Like like that's it like
2: that. And we've also been down this road before where he has said those exact same things. It's not my job, it's the coach's job. And I get it, he's right, but you don't have to say it, and you especially don't have to say it at this point of the series.
1: Um, I have a tangent conversation that we can go on for a bit, but, but, uh, James Harden also obviously like shooting better from three than he is for two in this series. Did you know
2: that OG and Anobi has more points scored in this series than Harden?
1: I did. I saw that graphic somewhere. Um,
2: I didn't, I didn't realize that. And I saw the tweet last night and I was shocked. It makes sense. Like when I stop and think about it, of course it makes sense, but I didn't. I didn't expect that when the series started.
1: Yeah, uh, this. I'm just scrolling through my my tweets, and people have stopped retweeting it. Yesterday, this would have been very hand, handy. But <laughs> it's something like when OG is on James Harden, there have been like 105 or 110 possessions, something like that, and and the Sixers have scored about 75 points in total, which is awesome defense uh and i you know you don't obviously that's not just og on harden that's a lot of things but uh that's a it's a good place to start uh it's a good place to start for og on um but i i've been pretty vocal i think on uh, in this series and in the past i don't super believe in momentum in a series i i i believe even though this series has like Started from total Phil, like, Mm -hmm. absolutely Philadelphia and almost in a, you know, direct arc switched, like, slowly to more Toronto. So, like, if you're ever going to believe in momentum, this is the series to believe in because it's just, like, slowly gone, maybe not so slowly, but it's gone steadily without. Incident in the other direction, pretty much. Maybe like the only hiccup was like the moment Joel Embiid had that shot in Game Three. Uh, um, but but in general, that's the direction it's going. But how much do you think this stuff matters? The ephemeral yeah, the history, and history and stuff that like is made of you know talk shows talk about it nonstop. Mm-hmm. We know that's not what the X's and O's of the series is about. But how much how much does it matter, I guess?
2: I think it matters because it matters to the Sixers. You know? I think if they didn't care... Like, I think when the Raptors were down three games to zero and all of the talk at that point was a team has never come back from three games to zero, it's never been done, it can't be done, blah, 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 blah. After that, when Nick Nurse had his press conference i don't know if it was after the game or the next day you can clarify but he said so 3 and 0 has never been done before take it one game at a time get it to 3 and 1 3 and 1 has been done before yeah. and it's kind of like a joke you know like just that's just, it's, just
1: it. a, it's a it's just a shift of perspective right, right? but like, i feel yeah. like the
2: raptors really believed that like i feel like they really dug into that and believed in that. And then when you heard Fred talk at the morning shoot around of game five, when he said, you know, a lot of people don't believe in, the, don't believe in us being able to do this, but I really do. And if, you know, he, when he said the thing about, I'll feel good if like, I feel like I would be good to play if we make it to the next round. Like he was very clearly just talking, like, we believe we can do this. I think that when you believe separately from the outside it doesn't matter you know so no matter what people were saying on the outside that didn't affect the raptors and who knows what'll happen in game 6 and beyond but they managed to you know turn this into a series again because they weren't affected by it but if you look at the sixers and the history that they have and all of the conversation is happening even the way like you mentioned doc talking about um his playoff record what he said at the end of that was i forget the exact phrase, I wish I had it in front of me, but it was like it was like we just have to do it and then we don't talk then we won't talk about it anymore. But it but it didn't sound like it was, yeah, we're good. Like it's not a concern to us. It was if we do this, then we don't have to talk about it anymore. As he was also trying to like
1: defend get himself. Picked, yeah, defend yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, yeah. like
2: like it definitely felt like it feels like a more of a more of a thing that is affecting that Fan base franchise, you know, and again, maybe they'll come out tomorrow have a killer game, and the series will be over, and that'll be that. But I, I think with momentum, I usually, like you, am not a big fan. I don't, I just don't think in the playoffs that it holds up the way that people think it does. However, when you have the histories um, that 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 team and some of the players do, um, I think it just depends on how the the team and the players and the coach. Uh, approach it, I guess, is the right way. Yeah, word.
1: And, and you then- want to know what it really might matter is Game Seven if they're losing by ten. Like, yeah, yeah no, like for in sure, that for arena, sure. like I would with your with like, your
2: fans,
1: with we my win. fans, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my fans, they're mine. Um, <clears throat> quick sidebar before we get to Game Six.
2: Sorry, that was really long winded, but do you know what I mean? I like, do I know what like- you mean. Like, okay, I,
1: I like the one thing is like they're asked about it, they have to address it. So like. But, you know, we're not the only people saying that. Like, everybody who has covered the Sixers, not everybody, but a lot of people are just like, yeah, like, the, Raptor, uh, uh, the Raptors are need to make the Sixers think about it. And, and I also thought it was the interesting Sixers to- are firmly thinking about it now, and they have to confront it, which maybe it's the best thing that will ever happen to them, or maybe it will be terrible. Well, like the, I, the, I the think Raptors
2: the, are a Joel Embiid last second three pointer heave away from this series being tied right now.
1: Well so there's that that, that game still would have been tied, but I take your point, yes.
2: Well, sorry, would have been tied, but i, I feel i A precious like
1: a free throw, let's say. Sure, away. sure, sure, yeah. sure.
2: So very, very very easily could have been a, a tied series right now, coming back to Toronto with a game with the series tied. Yeah. After game five Doc, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it had to have been game five. Doc was asked about his team and he said something that was like, I wish I, again, I wish I had the quote in front of me. This is why I should print these quotes out. I didn't plan to go down this because it wasn't on the rundown. Anyway, he basically said to the, something to the extent of, I just feel like our guys didn't bring it the past two games, but they will. And it was like, okay, but when you're up three games to zero, when is the Switch gonna, like... Why did why did you flip the switch off,
1: you know? Yeah, and I keep... Th- like, I've thought a lot about that Raptors Magic series from the title year. And mm-hmm. these Raptors are better than that Magic team. So that's part mm-hmm. of it. But, mm-hmm. like, the rap, You remember the start to that Game 5 at home? Like, the Raptors just stepped on this them. This is
2: done. It's yeah. done. Yeah. And
1: there is... Whether it's Embiid's thumb... Whether it's Harden's attitude, whether it's just the team's vibes, whatever it is, and it's probably you know, a little bit of some and a lot of some of that, mm-hmm. like in different proportions. But like, I don't think the Sixers have that. I I mean, again, without is, is predicting it not game crazy. Six, yeah,
2: is it not crazy to you that there's a game six happening in Toronto on Thursday, twenty four hours away? And it feels like it's not an elimination game. It absolutely is. Like, I absolutely know that. Well, yeah, this but,
1: is what I'm in the process of writing. Like, the Raptors are in, like, again, might not matter, but, like, they're in, like, the way envi- more enviable pressure situation. It's uh, like and the, that's hilarious because they lose and their season is over. But Yeah, you know, it's, they,
2: and, and no one is, it's not like we're not unaware of that or saying that it won't happen because it very well could. Joel have a great game. It could, but it just feels like the most low pressure game six I've seen from Raptors fans on the outside.
1: And as Ida Maria once saying expectations are such a drag. Um, Quick, quick, quick sidebar, uh, because I said (laughs) I didn't love how Embiid handled that hardened bit with, you know, the aggressiveness and and deferring to Doc Rivers. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's, like, consider top 15, maybe top 20 players, like, bona fide superstars in this league. How many of them are also, like, awesome leaders, like, 95 to 100% of the time? Like, like, let's count them out.
2: Uh, start. Steph?
1: Steph and Giannis are, like, the only two no-doubters I can come with. I think Lillard is probably on there. And then it gets tricky.
2: I think Demar's a great teammate.
1: I'm not sure he's top fifteen to twenty, but this year he. I was. I know what you're saying. I know this year saying. he was, okay. but I I uh, think yeah, yeah. he is a great teammate. But
2: you put LeBron on there?
1: No, <laughs> he like he's too bad when things go wrong. No, like, I was that he, was I was yeah, yeah, I yeah. just
2: wanted your reaction. I wasn't like
1: me. I think that might be the list. Now and now, like maybe John Morant is on it. There's not enough of a sample size right now. Like who else would you rather? You know fight with you know
2: you're not gonna put the you're not gonna put the rudy uh donovan mitchell tandem on there
1: <laughs> no i think i think i'm gonna pass you know Jokic yeah. might be on there uh like i, I yeah Jokic
2: heard- is always really like Really good with with crediting his teammates and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, uh, my, it's my, interesting. It's my an point, interesting point is, it's a short it. it's a short list because like yeah, there are so many sports in which like the best players and their leadership are conflated. i put
2: Dejounte Murray on that list. I don't know of where he fits. Well oh, he's your not.
1: A, yeah, he's not in the like because like Fred's on that list too, right? But like, I don't think. Fred is a top fifteen player and I don't think DeJounte de Murray is a top fifteen player. So Well,
2: they're both top fifteen in my heart. So I know, on I my know. List.
1: But but you you have forty five <laughs> in your top fifteen in your heart. So I I, I give probably that.
2: twenty. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you're saying, yeah, for sure. It it's yes. it is a very special uh combination when you when you have a player that and even some of the guys i
1: mentioned like have taken crap for how they carry themselves before i just think like they're sort of unimpeachable at this point about their leadership Mm -hmm. and my my only point is that the list is very very short um and there are more like stars and maybe this is just the product of basketball and we scrutinize these guys and think we can psychoanalyze them too much um but it's there are just more basketball guys whether it's lebron whether it's like you know, certainly Kyrie, but like Kevin Durant's like brand of like kind of aloofness, uh, and I really did like. You, Kevin did you Durant, hear Kyrie's
2: but... quote about about they, how about he the makes... media
1: scrums? Uh, oh, no, he, about, he, about and, he and, and Joe, he and Solly, Solly, Kev, yeah, they're going to. are going to manage the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but Harden, another one. Like you know, people. Tennis. I just
2: love when people call Kevin Durant Kev. I'm sorry, it's like my favorite thing. Me and Kev, um, it just makes him sound so cash. Anyway, I don't. The Durant. point is,
1: I don't want to make it seem like Joe Allen beat is off on an island as like the worst leader ever. Here, hey like man, he it's really his... hard to
2: have all the pressure on you because you're an amazingly talented player, and it's great to have those accolades. And you know, you want the ball and all of that. But then when things don't go your way, that's often all on you too. And sometimes it's probably pretty frustrating to be like, I can't control the yeah. other four people who are on the on the court with me. You weren't you weren't criticizing him, you yeah, just I just
1: like that's him. what it made me think of, and I was like a bit surprised how short the list was um, that's all Game game six <laughs> what are your vibes?
2: Vibes are cool. I'm sure I'll be a wreck when the game starts, like every two o run will make me w- my stomach lurch, but uh, feel a lot better about game six than I did about game three um. You?
1: yeah I, I definitely had to convince you uh, of reason why the series could change
2: yeah you definitely did
1: <laughs> and uh, maybe
2: that's why i'm so chill because i'm just like well i've already like worried and stressed and was upset and well hey it's 3-2 now so just, that's it's a just series. a lesson
1: not to get stuck in a moment especially during a playoff series because uh these things as my psychiatrist always says nothing stays the same everything's always changing um, listen man
2: coaching the nba you got to be level and and uh even keeled never get too high never get too low i hate when nba players give me that cliche but when i'm interviewing them but it's true it's a cliche for a reason and i would be a terrible nba coach for many reasons but most of all because after a loss i would think the world was ending and my players would absolutely feel that so how high I, on
1: the list of uh cliches is it's a cliche for a reason
2: pretty high <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a top five cliche um what's your
2: favorite playoff cliche i know will and alex at the will lou raptor show were doing like playoff yeah yeah no me. i
1: i saw that like it's not a series it's until the the road team wins is is probably the until best the home one to loses, yeah 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 uh, or the road team wins yeah like that's a that's the makes no sense because like in this series,
2: that game only yeah,
1: like that made it three nothing, and that in theory again is the ended, series. <laughs> ended the series, so like <laughs> it, it was the moment they won, it became a le- less of a series, so like it it it's my favorite cliche because it's <laughs> actually like demonstrably not true. I understand what it's saying, but like it does not hold up beyond like the first three percent of, of like.
2: And also the home the home team doesn't need to win on the road. It just needs to win its home games.
1: Yeah, yeah. So just like home team a team could does lose a, every yeah. road
2: game and still win the series. So. Yeah, does
1: did that series never begin?
2: <laughs> it didn't happen. If yeah. a road team doesn't lose, did did, did Yeah, if a tree falls lose? in
1: the woods, I, 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 I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> uh, um so I'm predicting I hate to do it. A Philadelphia win. I think uh Joel Embiid is going to have a monster game. Yeah. Um but I also thought that uh Philadelphia was going to win game 5. So you sh- shouldn't take this uh that seriously. Um do you want to put your thoughts on the Yeah, I'm predicting a heart?
2: Raptors win, but uh I'm worried about James Harden. I don't know if that is just my like
1: well, he's a very good it's, player, and he's been pretty he's bad in the, last, in the last few games.
2: He hasn't had a great series, and I, I do. I obviously, I think Joel will give everything he has, but I, I feel like if there's a player that may break out, that's sort of where I'm like, ah, uh, that would be bad. Uh, but yeah, I'm still gonna say Raptors win.
1: Um,
2: I have okay. to be honest. I don't know how much of that is my heart and how much of that is my brain. I know.
1: They're twisted right now. We've talked about that throughout the year, how you I think you're sometimes predicting things that you don't But
2: really, no, believe. this time I'm being like this time I'm telling you. You're being that. open
1: about it. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: wasn't uh, not being
1: open about
2: it before.
1: I, I think you just weren't fully uh counter like encountering it. Um and the the magnitude of the playoffs is really making you more aware of how much you're feeling. Um I'm That's feeling too feel. much is what I'm feeling.
2: But yes, I I think that there will be a Game 7 to talk about next week.
1: Um. Well, we'll probably talk, won't talk to you before Game 7. And because Game 7 takes place on Saturday. It's not next mm-hmm. week. Um, but we will talk to you after the series one way or the other. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's to set up a series against Miami. That'd be neat. Ugh, Although, is your heart for neat. that?
2: Also, get well soon, Kyle.
1: Is your heart ready for that if it happens?
2: Absolutely. My nerves are steel. I'm, I'm great.
1: Because, you know, before the regular season ended, you were like swearing off any potential series between the Raptors and Miami or Chicago. Yeah, I'm over
2: it. It's <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's sort of the attitude of the Raptors too. Uh, bring, on, bring on game six. Should be fun. Hope everybody's enjoying it. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast such as it was uh holly as always thank you thank you and uh we will talk to you at some point in the intermediate future thanks for listening see ya